Welcome, you're listening to the Bible Marathon Project, your one-stop class for learning Bible interpretation, defending your faith, using spiritual gifts, and building consistency in your devotion with God. We hope these sessions are a blessing to you as they have been to us. And without further ado, we say welcome to Hermeneutic Sunday. So welcome again, everybody. Let's start with our hermeneutics recap. Um, first things first, you guys are going to do most of the talking. I'm going to bring you know, little things here and there, but I just want to be sure that we all remember what we've studied throughout the year. This year has been beautiful, don't you think? God has been faithful. We've studied a whole lot. I'm sure many of us have a stronger desire for the word of God, a stronger drive. To, to know and serve God. That's, that's just the goal of Bible Marathon, to strengthen your, your, your spiritual muscles. All right. Um, first question, what is hermeneutics? What does it mean? What's the meaning of hermeneutics? Can I have a go? Yes. Hermeneutics is Bible interpretation or exegetical Bible interpretation. Okay, so I have a five-year-old right next to me. Please define it again. <laughs> okay, so for the, <laughs> the five-year-old, um, it's basically the template by how we interpret the Word of God or try to understand the Word of God and its meaning, what it's trying to tell us, the message. You can basically say as deciphering the message of the Bible. Mm. So the follow-up question is, deciphering so the bible is a mystery right in some parts yes um it's a mystery that is revealed to us by the power of the holy spirit but um there are some quote-unquote tricks that you can well i'm not say tricks but methods of studying um for example the bible is a self-interpreting book. It interprets itself. It, the message it translates is usually verified by another passage or another verse or another chapter somewhere else in the Bible. If All that right. makes sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you. So I, I want to piggyback from that and ask another question because, yeah, in a sense, the Bible is mysterious in some parts, but... Um, can the Bible be understood by anybody? So if I if if I'm an unbeliever, I don't believe anything. Can I get? Can I read the Bible and it will convince me of Jesus as being the savior of the world? Is this something that can happen without any tools? Uh, uh let me take this one. I would say yes. Uh, although yes, the Bible is a complex work of literature. You know as it is, but it still is readable and understandable to the layman. For instance, I always like to use um, J.R. Tolkien's work, um, Lord of the Rings and everything. I like to use them as an example. You can read the three Lord of the Rings books and then the Hobbit books, but then there are so many things in between that you don't know, that you don't understand, except if you read the Simalurion and other things. But if you just read the books, can you get the gist of the story and everything? Yes. But if you read the Samaria, will you understand everything in its totality? Yes. But to just a normal person, you can't understand the Bible without any um, literature gymnastics. Yeah. yeah. That's, 
That's awesome. That's that's I think that's a beautiful <laughs> um it's it's that's a very um important point. The Bible can really be understood by anybody. Um the general idea, I should say. So both Ife and Daniel are correct. And I think it's very important that you know you don't don't fall into one of those extremes that some people who say the Bible is so deep and so supernatural that you always need something to interpret it. All right. And they don't go to the other extreme of liberalism, feeling that you don't need any supernatural insight into the word of God. You want to stay at that beautiful middle. You know, I, I emphasize balance a lot. You want to stay in that safe middle that says the word of God is from God and God is a spirit. All right. But the word of God is a book or a collection of books. So it is literary. So you have to combine both to come to a beautiful harmony. And that's the whole idea of hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the ability or the uh, skill of interpreting the Bible. So that already informs you that there is some kind of interpretation to do. Everyone that reads the Bible is an interpreter. But the question is, there is a wrong way and there is a right way to read the Bible. So... Who can remind us our theme text that we had all through every hermeneutics uh, Sunday? That person is getting $5. Anybody who gets it right. The text that we always went back to. Or the, the, the anchor text for hermeneutics. If you don't like money again. <laughs> the text, you have to give me the location now. Don't just read it to me. Is this oh, second sorry. Timothy? Um hey. Why am I not remembering second Timothy? Is it two fifteen or is it three fifteen or what? Second Timothy. Who is that one that is stealing my shine? I said it first. I, I so that, no, just shouting the answer now. <laughs> <laughs> you have five dollars. You have five dollars. I'm shouting back at you. Don't worry, you got it. So the text is uh let me go live. Yeah, it's second Timothy. Please, all these these are texts that you must memorize. All right, second Timothy 2:15. See it on the screen on the screen. Look at it in NLT. It says, work hard, which is the Greek word spodazo, all right? Be diligent or study. The word study there doesn't mean actual study, like the way you study for exams. The real idea of spodazo is be diligent, put in the effort, right? So it says, make every effort or work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. That's beautiful. So there's an approval that comes from God when you present yourself to him in hard work, with diligence. He says, be a good worker, one that does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. I love this translation. Correctly explains the word of truth. Look at NKJV, rightly dividing the word of truth. And NIV, correctly handles the word of truth. This already tells you there is a wrong handling of the word of truth. What is the word of truth? Another question. What is the word of truth? 
Doctrine? Well, okay. actually, that's part of it. Doctrine. Yeah, doctrine and... The gospel? The like gospel. The yeah. Original well, gospel, not one that's tampered with. Exactly. So the gospel is the primary um, idea in the mind of Paul when he's writing this, right? So he's writing to Timothy, who is a preacher of the gospel. And he says, hey, do all the hard work to ensure that you're correctly handling the word of truth. So the word of truth is what brings salvation. So don't mess it up. Don't teach what it's not saying. That's the point. And if I said in the chat, sorry. If I said the wrong handling is how many false teachings and cults have started. Exactly. Um, most of what people believe today is formed by the information they pay attention to. And so Paul was ready to die on the mountain of truth to make sure that people don't mess up his the integrity of his teaching. You know, he said, I brought the gospel to you, Galatians chapter chapter one. You know, he was really, really upset at what happened. Let me read that to you. Galatians chapter one from verse six. He says, I'm astonished that you're quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, which is no really, really no gospel at all. In other words, it's not the word of truth. It's either you have the word of truth or you don't have the word of truth. Any alteration to the truth of God's message of salvation is falsehood. You don't want to play with that. So he says, it's not the gospel at all. And some of you are throwing, some of some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to do what? To pervert the gospel of Christ. All right. So that's, that's really important. And so that was the foundation. That was the foundation we laid in hermeneutics the first time. So the first thing we actually did was page 20. Uh, 21, page 2021. I don't know if anyone was on this meeting, but it was the very first meeting we had at the beginning of the year. And it was um, four things that you ought to do um, to have a, a great year. And we spoke about a lot of things. Um, we talked about being, spending time in the word. And I hope more people did that. We talked about the basics. Read your Bible, pray every day. Right. So it was read your Bible, study it correctly, which is hermeneutics, basically. Right. Pray every day, which has to do with charisma uh, Sunday. Um, we talked about avoiding sexual immorality because it's a huge deal. And we talked about how that affects every aspect of our lives, you know, and how God is very clear when it comes to every other sin. He says, you know, resist the devil and do that and fight the good fight of faith but when it comes to sexual sin god is unequivocal he says flee run <laughs> ja, jackpa which other way can i say it because sexual sin is not just any other sin it's a sin against the body and we know the body is the temple of god so there is there is a there is a very huge emphasis on how we have to carry ourselves and i also talked about being productive making sure that you are useful in everything you are doing. Like you are, you, you know, you can be filled with activity, but not be filled with productivity. You know, I, I was talking to someone and um, the person was like, oh, I think I was more effective. We're talking about a topic. It was like, oh, I feel I'm more effective. 
um, than this other person. And I gave an analogy. I said, wait, okay. So let's say there's a shipwreck and you know the shore is just like maybe 20 miles away. And these three people on the shipwreck that were thrown into the sea, they all swim trying to reach the shore. They're swimming, they're swimming, they're swimming. The first guy, star athlete, he, he has swum for Olympics. So he did he, all the swimming. He did 12 miles and he drowned. And then there's another guy, you know, swimming all his life, swimming, 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 18 miles, just two more miles to shore. The last one swam, 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 19.5 miles, but drowned. I said, which of them was more effective? Or which of them was the most effective? They all drowned. So at the end of, <laughs> at the, end of the day, you measure success by who got to the finish line, not who expended the most energy. And that's the same thing when it comes to spiritual growth. You can be swimming and trying to achieve a goal that you really can't hit or you don't hit because you're already going the wrong way. You're taking the wrong approach. So a lot of people are active. They don't miss church service. They don't miss anything, but they're missing everything else that's important. You know, hitting the mark, doing what God really wants them to do. They are missing it on that regard. They are doing everything else. They are very active, but they are not productive. They are not effective. And God doesn't want us to live that way, you know. Um, and I talked about that in page 2021. And that was like the intro. Then we went on and started looking at what we're going to do for the rest of the year. And so the next thing we did, this is a recap. So a lot of things, might you might have forgotten a lot of things, but it's a recap. And that's the point, just to bring back some of these things to your memory. All right, and to have a conversation with you. So the first teaching we did was approved. And obviously the theme was same, same scripture, 2 Timothy 2.15. And we emphasized the surpassing importance of accurate teaching. Man, I can, I can go on and on on this one because I've been the, I've been the victim of false teaching myself, you know. I went to a school, you guys already know where I went. So I'll just keep it um, hush hush. I went to a school that was seemingly designed or structured to be super spiritual. Like they were like, this is a spiritual school, you know, we're all about God and his plan. And to some extent, I believe the motive was, was genuine from the creator, the Chancellor, what they wanted to achieve was very legitimate, I believe. But they ended up producing, you know, a false religion. Um, false religion, basically. Because a lot of people thought it was in, the, in what they could do and perform, you know, and most people never really even heard the gospel from a pulpit in that school. It was probably someone else who understood the gospel, a student. That's even how I really heard the gospel was going to a meeting, hearing some young students. And I was like, hmm, okay, so the gospel is really this, which we're going to talk about in our third uh, teach, the review for the third third subject that we discussed here on, on Bible Marathon. But it blew my mind. I was like, are you telling me that I don't have to do this and this and this to gain God's approval? And they're like, yeah, that, that's not even, and it showed me scriptures. Because for me, at that time, I still had a very strong view high view of scripture 
you know. But the point is, you can be so focused on the wrong things. Man, it's crazy. Like um, Treasure was telling me <laughs> something today. We were having a conversation earlier that, you know, there was this show, I don't know, what's the title again? Is it Eter Eternals or Eternal or something that was supposed to show in the, in the cinemas and they went there and they couldn't find it. For some reason, it was taken away. Like they couldn't watch it in any of the cinemas. And he said, I found out that the government took it off from cinemas because it had a gay scene in it. And I had two, two views on that. I don't know if Treasure is here. Um, I had two views. First of all, I'm happy that they took it because I don't really love anything that promotes immorality. All right, I'm very clear on that. But then the second thing that hits me is misplacement of priorities. They could have put the energy to other things, <laughs> but they are focusing on cinemas. You know, it's very, very funny. And I think that's the that's kind of like a mirror of what a lot of people's Christian life is. Focusing on the wrong things. You know, we're going to talk more about that. But God's design for his church is that we are not just informed, but adequately equipped with the right knowledge. Right? So when it comes to the gospel, we want to be unequivocal. Wherever you preach the message, you must be able to say the very same things, right? You read the word of God to someone who is $30 billion rich. It must still be the same message you tell someone who is begging on the road. That uniformity, that unanimity is so important when it comes to the truth because God has given us his word. And so that's the whole idea of approved. We spoke about that contending for accuracy, contending for the truth, all right? Don't just take anything you hear. And I told you that in Bible Marathon, one of the things that we should be really known for is we should be questioning things. Don't just be sucking, taking everything, hook, line, sinker, fisherman, rod, fish, boat. That's what people are doing in the faith. Like, you hear a preacher say something, you don't test it. You hear another preacher, they are saying the very opposite things or ideas, and you just absorb everything like it's the truth, not knowing that one is the opposite, the exact opposite of the other. You have to be discerning, and it takes hard work. So the whole em emphasis of that first teaching was the truth is important, but to get to that truth is work. It's hard work. Don't think you can just copy and paste. I mean, for the most part, if you have a good teacher, you can copy and paste. But make sure that what you are copying and pasting is the word of God that was passed down from the apostles. All right, let me show you a scripture that emphasizes this even further. Um, dear Lord, I know it is in Ephesians 2, 20. Yes. Woo! I know Bible small. Okay, so let's read from um, Ephesians 2 from verse 19. Ephesians 2.19. By the way, I'm saying hi to all of you on Mixlr. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're still in point one. Approved. That was the first teaching on Hermeneutics Sunday for the year. So look at um, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 19. Can someone read this? 
19 and 20, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Anyone who is able to read, it's on the screen right now. Who is Black Cougar in the waiting room? I don't know. Don't add the person, please. Until we know. Please, I might have already added the person. All right, we need to know who it is because the last time we had um, Spamers join. Can I read? Should I just read? Yes, go ahead and read. Daniel can read, don't worry. Okay. Uh, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Thank you. I can't, I can't overemphasize this. This scripture is foundational to what we believe as Christians. Christians believe that there is a truth and that it is passed down. Oh, oh, Black Uga is your friend, though. I'm so sorry. Please invite him back. I hope we didn't remove him. Did you remove him or put him? Where did you put him? Please tell him to join back. We're sorry. We just, the last time, the last time we, I don't know who was here. We had a meeting. Finu was here. And then one guy was just saying random stuff, like take off your shirt and stuff. And like, yes, oh. it was it was horrifying. Yeah, so please, we need to be careful. I know we love all people, but when we're dealing with holy things, don't want to joke with that. Um, okay, but yeah, please. And if they're black cougar, I don't know if that's a good um, I'm joking. Let's go back. All right, so... Um, Consequently, he says, you are no longer foreigners. So you were once foreigners. All right. You were outside of the commonwealth of Israel, the Bible says. Now you've become fellow citizens with God's people. In other words, you've been brought into the family. But you need to understand that there is a family structure. If you have been adopted to God's family, there's a family structure. And that family structure is this. It's God's household, his house, he has his own rules. Some of you lived in houses where your dad had stern rules. I know I did have a dad that you couldn't touch the wall. You couldn't let the chair touch the wall. You couldn't touch the car. Like the rules were crazy. I don't know why I ended up being sane and normal. But like the rules were just crazy. You know, and it was later I started to understand the importance, you know, and somehow it's, I've carried it on. If anybody touches my car, I feel somehow like, ah, don't touch it, don't put your bag on the car to scratch. And I think I got it from him, you know, and you notice that my walls don't get dirty. I don't lean on it, them. But I'm just saying that every house has its own rules. Some houses didn't have any rules, right? And you guys still made it, which is good. But like when it comes to God's household, there are rules. And one of those rules and those principles is the hierarchy of truth. It says God's household is built. When you build a house, where do you start? Not from the roof, but from the foundation. So it's built on the foundation of who? The apostles. What? Interesting. So the church and the family you joined, there is a foundation. And that foundation is the apostles. What foundation are we talking about? Their teachings. And then the prophets. So apostles and prophets. Now, there are two views on this. 
prophets might be referring to the Old Testament prophets, which would be legitimate and true because the apostles only taught what the prophets spoke about. Very important. But then there were also prophets in that time. So apostles and prophets would still be legitimate. So whatever position you take, whether the prophets there is speaking about the Old Testament prophets who spoke about Christ or the New Testament prophets that were alive in the days of the early apostles, same thing. By the way, when he says they are found, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, that tells you that anyone today who comes and says, I'm an apostle, cannot be an apostle at the same level that the original apostles were. These were the ones commissioned by Jesus himself. All right. They were the ones with the responsibility of giving us the truth. So any other apostle that comes after must carry on from what they've done. You can't add to it. You can't subtract. It's a family you met. <laughs> Do you understand? That's the idea. You met the family the way it is. You can't come and change the rules. So the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and he says, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. For those who are in building or building technology or anything, structural, structural engineering, you probably understand this concept better. But in those days, the cornerstone represented the shock absorber of the whole building. So you have a foundation, but there is a cornerstone, there is a chief stone, right? And so he's basically saying the household of God is built on the apostles and prophets, but the cornerstone where these apostles and prophets get their sustenance and their source and everything and strength is from Christ. So that's the order. Christ the teachings of Christ, the teachings of the apostles, anybody that comes after must build on that, but carefully. Paul said it himself. He said, I am the master builder. He that comes to build on this must take heed how he builds. That's so profound. All right. So any questions on approved? That was the main theme. It was like, you have work to do. You must be diligent to stick to the original the order of things, the intent of things. I think the last point on, on um, the topic of approved is everybody that is a Christian ought to be a student of the word. Bible study is hard work. If you've not started that hard work, you are just cheating yourself. All right. These are the best years of your life to, to set a foundation. Like, <sighs> This is where you want to love the Bible. This is where you want to build habits that keep you in God's word. This is the time you want to focus on knowing what the truth is because it's not going to get easier. It's going to get more challenging. You're going to have more obstacles. You're going to, you're going, this inside life thing is real. Like you will see issues and you must have God's wisdom to work with. Like you should look at situations and think from God's perspective. But if you don't spend the time to build that foundation now, you're on your own. <laughs> you're on your own. Like it's, I mean, the grace of God is strong enough. Whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, he can do amazing things in your life. But you know the Lord now. Do everything now. Like this is when you want to ex extend yourself, stretch yourself know the word, study, use concordances, use resources given to you. We're in a time where 
the Bible is not scarce. It's on your phone. If it's not on your phone, you have a physical Bible. If it's not your physical Bible, even if you have an iWatch, there are some iWatches that allow you to read the Bible on them. The Bible is everywhere. You have no excuse. And then we have a community of people who are willing to teach and explain the scriptures. But you have a responsibility to study. All right. Any questions on this? I'm moving to the next one. All right. Next one was euangelion. Who can tell what euangelion means? How many of you remember all these things? Sorry, can you repeat what you said? Oh, it's on the screen. The second topic that we treated in Hermeneutics Sunday was euangelion. And my question is, what does euangelion mean? Ademola, you are wrong. So I'm thinking about my five dollars. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, sorry. It's I think somebody is in the waiting room, but I can't see them. I think it was the previous guy. So please help me just get into that. Sure. I think he's in now. Favor. I think it's favor, right? But Dam, no, Dami is not a guy. Is Dami actually? Yeah, Dami. Me. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hi. I was like. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. So yeah, who can tell me what does euangelion mean? It's the Greek word for something. If you were here when I did that teaching, you should remember this because I emphasized it. But I mean, it was February, right? So many people probably don't remember. Oh, check for Raymond. So I don't see anybody in the waiting room. Um. But if I see anyone, I'll add them. Don't worry. Worst case scenario, they can join um, on Mixlr. Just that I want them to see the screen. But yeah, let's let's um, let's see what, what what works there. Okay, so since nobody knows, I'll just help. The word Evangelion means gospel or good news. Some of you know well. You should know it now. So it's the Greek word for good news. And not just good news, it's, it's rarely used. It's a word that's rarely used. Um, it was only used three times in other Greek texts at the time of the writing of the scriptures, um, the New Testament scriptures. So it was a rare word because it meant so good to be true. It was so like very difficult to believe that this was true. And so, the, the purpose of that teaching was to describe what the gospel is in an abridged version. The truth is, if everything, if the word of truth is the gospel, then there's no way to shorten it, you know, just saying. You can't just reduce the gospel to small bites, but you can break it down into simple pieces. And I, and I mentioned that this is so important because... Um, when it comes to your understanding of God, it starts first with how you understand the gospel. Because you can only have an accurate understanding of God when you have an, under, an accurate understanding of his plan. All right. God is very clear about his plan. So let's look at a text about the gospel real quick that we spoke about. Um, and you can tell that 
when I was preparing all these things, I just want you, I want you guys to have some insight into my life a little bit. Many times when I'm preparing, I'm not necessarily preparing for Bible marathon. I want to know these things myself. Like, I'm very honest with you. If I didn't have Bible marathon, I would still be studying. I would still be looking into, you know, ways to build my faith. The only difference is that now when I prepare, when I study, I know that I'm going to come and deliver. So I have to work on how I deliver those ideas. But they are inbuilt. There are things that I have studied. There are things that I have come to understand that I'm now sharing. And I think that's so important. When you understand that I'm not just gathering stuff. Okay, I want to teach on this topic. Let me just find something and just, you know, throw something at you. That doesn't help. The the real goal is self-edification. Make up your mind that you will learn God's word for yourself. Like, it's better to not just go for the crumbs, go for the main meal, the main dish. And you can always have access to it. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the written word. What else do you need? I'm serious. You just need time off your phone, off social media, focused on that moment. Lord, I want to learn your word. Teach me something. I want to grow. It's so important. It's all about discipline, by the way. If you think it's going to happen randomly. Some of you right now, you're at the phase where you're like, I know I want to do this. God, God is going to help me. I know God's going to help me do this. And God is like, yeah, I've done my part. I'm ready. The only thing that he's waiting for is your decision and your discipline. Like, that's really it. I'm serious. Like, if you decide to decide, you will do it. Like, this morning, I woke up because I was like, I want to read the Old Testament this morning. I was so tired. I was so... I didn't even know because of the um, change in times, um, daylight savings. I didn't, I didn't remember that there was something like that. So I woke up feeling weird. Like, did I lose one hour of sleep? Because I think I did. And I was like, oh my God, there's church. I have to do this. And I'd already made up my mind that I was going to read um, the book of Judges. And I was on my bed. My Bible, so I always sleep with my Bible on my side. And then my phone is on the other side. So I literally help myself choose <laughs> it is just me like i literally have to turn it's almost like the red pill and the blue pill scenario like my bible is on this side my phone is on this side and i made a decision that i will practice self-control by turning to the bible side opening it up starting my day with that so it's been a struggle there are some days that you know you see a message you turn like this and you see your phone like ding and it's someone that sent a message that you really want to check and there are moments when I've fallen prey to that. I'll just go, you know, let me just check it. And before I know it, I, I don't go back. So it's a discipline thing that you have to work on. But God is going to help you through the process. So why I will go on this tangent? I don't know. Um, I, I'm just trying to encourage you guys to read the Bible, to, to devote time to studying God's word. It will, it will change you. It will change you. I want to show you a scripture. Um, which was the main theme for this particular teaching. And it's in Romans chapter one. This verse, everybody knows it, right? Everyone knows this. Verse 16. All right, so let me put it up. Romans 1, 16, real quick. 
It's not showing. All right. Let's go. Want to go? Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Marvelous. I think this verse is very powerful because it says the gospel is the power of God. It doesn't say it has the power of God. It doesn't say it generates the power of God. It just says the gospel is the power of God to save. Wow. That's a very huge statement. So Paul is saying this message, this thing called the gospel, euangelion in the Greek, is God's power to save a person. Then you must know it. You have to know it. You have to understand it. You have to be able to say it as quickly and as powerfully and effectively as possible. And so that's what we really emphasized on that teaching. You can go back and listen to it. I broke down the idea of the gospel. Where does the gospel start? So I really want to hear thoughts because, I mean, this is a review. So let's really, I want to hear what you guys think. When, if I were to ask you, let me, let me actually put some people on the spot now. I know you don't like it, but it's part of growth. Um, and nobody can be wrong. Don't worry. So when I, if I were to ask you one minute, innocent. Hi, innocent. Yes, I called you. Um, can you share the gospel with me in one minute? What is the gospel? Okay, what is the gospel? Yeah. All right. Can you hear me? Can everyone hear yes, me? Yes, loud and clear. All right. Um, I feel, from my own understanding, I feel the gospel is good news. The good yeah. news being spread out to the world for people to learn who their maker is or something. I'm just saying from my own words, you know, I'm just yeah. saying from yeah. my own words. Though. Sure. Yeah. The gospel is just, you know, the good news, which is meant to be shared to people for them to learn who their maker is and who brought salvation to them. Mm. I feel that's what the gospel is from my own perspective. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So in, what Innocent shared is, let's see, it's like a thesis statement. So he's accurate, but I, now I need someone else to give me the content of the message. So he told me what the gospel is, what it is. It's a good, it's good news. It's what saved. I need someone to give me the details. What are you going to be saying when you preach the gospel to someone? More, go ahead. So yeah, when I preach the gospel to someone, I'll tell them that Jesus, um, God loved you so, so much that he knew that you could not make, fulfill the law. He knew that you could not do the right things. So he sent Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for you. As a sacrifice for you so that you would come into the so that you have the life of Christ in you, the nature of God in you. And when he sent Christ in you, um, when he sent Christ to die for you, he was the sacrifice for you. Um, when you believe in him, you have eternal life. And then you can have a relationship with, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, that's what I would tell them. Nice, nice. Okay, so now we have more, there's more weights added to it. So um, we had from Innocent, it's good news. What's the nature of this good news? Well, Mo just told us, God loves you, right? He sent Jesus. Um, and then you start to know the nature of Christ. You get eternal life and you can have fellowship with God, the Father and the Spirit, right? So I still feel like 
um, I still feel like the it's not it's not complete. Who 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 can tell me why the message that I mean it's see okay let me let me put it this way we're in we're in grad class right here all right so everyone is right but I want details because when it comes to I built on this already the accuracy of the message is very important we want to carry every element and share it as simply and effectively as possible so who can tell me something that maybe was not mentioned in Mo's description of the gospel what would you what could you add to it okay more added to it you are saved by this through faith now that was the key word i was looking for faith wasn't mentioned um which i was like maybe you were because of the pressure of calling you but you definitely know it all right who else wants to add what else is missing what else should be here Remember, the gospel is a message about a historical event. So you must include the details of that historical event. There are people today who go out and they preach. They say they preach the gospel, you know, and they share flyers. God loves you. God doesn't want you to be sick. God wants you to be rich. And that's what they share as tracts. And they say they went out preaching the gospel. And I'm like, hmm, wow. You think that's what gospel is? All right. We have something in the comments that uh, he died and rose from the dead. That's very important. <laughs> Not that Jesus came alone, but the elements of his coming. What did he do? What did he come to do? What was the point of his coming? Because the gospel is only appreciated by the person who sees their need for it. So that's another gap that we need to fill. So death, burial, resurrection. But for what, to what end? Like, that, uh, there's another like there's another element missing let me um let me read what someone says in Mixelar. this is from Olubemiro. he said today i went for evangelism in my church and i was opportune to talk i shared the gospel as the good news that god has beautiful things for his people in stock coming to christ to enjoy this good news will make life much better for such person Mm. so it's a class right so i'll just mention some things i mentioned in that teaching now the promise of a better life now is not the gospel all right life may not even be much better for a person who follows christ here i'm going to repeat that again i know it sounds weird i know it sounds strange it shouldn't sound strange if you've been listening to me for a while, but the gospel does not promise happiness in the earthly sense of things. You will have peace. You will have joy. You will have the fruit of the spirit, but it does not exempt you from problems and it doesn't necessarily make your life a better life. I mean, there's one of the best sellers. I read the book. And I'm not going to tell you the author, um, but that's kind of thing we discussed in Bible Marathon that we probably can't discuss outside. The book was written by uh, someone and the title of the book is um, A Better Life Now. And the book is a mess because it's not the gospel and it's giving people false hope. So they are coming to Christ for what he can give rather than for who he is. 
and their need for him. Um, I see Ayo joined the chat, uh, the, the call from Mixler, so I'm assuming he has something to add to this. So um, I'm still asking a question. Beautiful. That's really what I wanted to hear. So the elements of the gospel are useless without the problem. <laughs> so when you start the preaching of the gospel, remember the problem is important. That's what um, Ayo is bringing up here. So let me read what he said. Let's not forget to call the attention to their sinfulness and that Christ came to die for sinners. The whole Bible is replete with the talk of sin. If you eliminate sin from the gospel, you have eliminated a huge chunk. Let me show you something Jesus said. So you know it's from the mouth of Jesus himself. John 16. I hope you are learning something so far. This was not the plan, but I didn't want to stay so long on this, but I, I was expecting different answers. So I will, I will spend my time where I think it is needed. Uh, John chapter 16. Jesus was talking about when the Holy Spirit comes, what he will do. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will, verse 8, John 16, verse 8. Notice, this is what Jesus had in mind about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, he will, when he comes, John 16, 8, he will convict the world of guilt. Let me use the correct translation because this one doesn't make it clear. Yeah, well, guilt in regard to sin. Um, um, Eloos Hematia in the Greek. Um, let me put it in KJV. Oh, okay, beautiful. ACSB is, is on point. So ACSB says, when he comes, when who comes? The Holy Spirit, the counselor. He will convict the world about what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's impressive. That, well, that's interesting because... What is the Holy Spirit going to come and do? Well, he's going to convict the world of sin. How? Because it is in the preaching of the message of the gospel that people realize their need for a savior and then decide to accept or reject. And then he breaks it down. Why about sin? Because they do not believe in me. So it's a faith problem. They don't believe in him. So they need to be aware that they're in trouble because sin is still there. You know, it's been paid for, but not accepting the payment is tantamount to not having the, the provision anyway. And then he says about righteousness, because now that Jesus is going to the Father, who is going to convince the righteous one that they are righteous? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. So he says about righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. When Jesus was there, he was the one that brought comfort to them, assured them that they were safe that he was there with them. Now that he's going, the Holy Spirit has to take on that role of reminding them of righteousness. But then there's another aspect which a lot of people have left out but it's still a part of the gospel about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit is going to show that the victory, the eternal victory of Christ has been won. All right? And then the devil is defeated. So, I'm blessed too, sorry. So the, 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 uh, at this point, let me try and give you a summary of what the gospel is, all right? After I blow my nose. You guys should pray for me. 
every Sunday, I'm always blowing my nose. Someone should just vex. I say, ah, no, no, no. Mm -mm. All right. So this is the gospel. I'll try to present it and I'll, it will always have a different form. All right. But this is important. Um, first of all, you talk about the issue, the problem, the sickness, which is sin. We are all sinners. Whether it is because we're born, Romans 5, because Adam's sin came upon all men, or because we've acted in sin. Many of us have done wrong actions. I don't think anybody here will say, oh, I've been sinless, sinless from my mother's womb. That's not the case. Because you have the sin nature, you, act, you do actions of sin. So you've probably lied, you've cheated, you've stolen, you've done things that are against the mark of God, the standard of God. And you're dealing with the holy God, which is another element of the gospel. God is holy, he's righteous, he's separate, he's set apart. God will not behold sin or the sinner. That's how repulsive sin is to a holy God. But God in his love, and that's where the gospel comes in. So you have a problem and there is judgment for that problem. But God was the one who stepped out, provided a solution. And what was the solution? A man born of a woman, born of a virgin, very important, you know. So it showed that it had no human interaction. No man was the one that birthed this seed. That's the Christ. And Christ came. He lived a perfect life, which was very important. If Jesus failed at any point, there would not be the perfect atonement to pay for the sins of of a criminal because in the courtroom if anybody's going to take the place of a criminal it can't be another criminal it has to be someone who has a clear record right and so jesus has a clear record by living a perfect life a sinless life takes all the punishments that was deserving of this of you of everyone else on himself second corinthians 5 21 he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might became uh, might become the righteousness of god in him so Jesus takes on sin upon himself. He dies. He was buried, but he was vindicated by the spirit to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. Romans chapter 1 from verse 4. God proved that this was him. This was what his plan was all along. And by the resurrection of the dead, Romans teaches us that now we have newness of life if we believe in him. And that's John 3, 16. For God loved the world so much, or God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son, that whosoever puts their faith and trust in him and what he has done will not perish. So there is still that element of perishing that must be mentioned. There is punishment for sin. But the good news is that there is a provision that does not require you to change your ways, but to trust in someone who has done the work. And then the following, as the following uh, part of the gospel is what happens as a result. You have eternal life. You will live forever. You will live forever with God, all right? And then there are other things that come along, being a child of God. But those are not the elements of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. You're a sinner, God paid the fine, believe, and you will live forever. Claire, when you preach the gospel, don't leave these elements out. You can vary it anyway, but make sure the person is aware of what the solution is. I've had, when I was learning how to preach the gospel, I had people I would just come and I was just like, God loves you so much. And they're like, yeah, I know he loves me so much. I'm like, okay, you know he loves you. You believe in Jesus. Well, kind of, but I know Jesus loves me. I'm like, okay. 
and I would be wondering like, okay, so maybe this person is a Christian because I couldn't see the, like they were accepting what I was saying because all I was preaching was love. I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher of love like that guy. <laughs> but true love is to push someone off the train track when a train is coming at them. And so many times you have to confront them with their sin. Every preaching of the gospel in Acts had an element of that. You know, Peter, if you're reading Acts with me now, Peter, right, said, you guys killed the one that God sent. You killed him. You are criminals. You, you need to die. You, you know, that kind of vibe. And they were pricked in their hearts. Oh, we've done this wickedness. How shall we be saved? And then he tells them, believe. That's all. You don't have to do anything. Just trust that it was true, that he came for you. He paid for your sins. Not for yours only, not for those of you who are saved, but for the sins of the world. All right. I will emphasize this as often as possible because it's the most important thing. We have to get it right. We have to be accurate in our conversation, in our sharing of the gospel. All right. And one more thing, that message of by grace through faith, don't miss it for anything. Because now when people have received salvation, they feel like they have to keep their salvation. But you need to realize that the only way to keep your salvation is the way you received it. And I've thought of this before. The way to keep your salvation is to, who can tell me, how would you answer that question? How can I keep my salvation? If somebody asked you that question, only here, I, I, I feel like we should be more conversational. Someone walks up to you and says, hey, I, I'm, I'm scared. How can I keep my salvation? What would you say to them? You can't keep it. It's a gift. Oh. Yeah. That's 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 good. Who else wants to add? Also, like, like it's not something that once you have it, you have it. Like it's not something that you are trying to like um, work for. Something like that. Something given to you by God. Right. So you earned it by grace, right? Through faith. So if it was by grace then it cannot be by works, which was the argument of Paul. Paul was like, you want to keep it, you want to work to keep something that was given to you by grace. It's like, how can I put it? You work for a, a job and you, you have a salary that they're supposed to give you. They pay you your salary. That's your wage. You deserve it. But then the boss says, hey, Chijoke, I love you so much. You've been an amazing worker. Here, take another extra $2,000. At that point, you cannot go and be saying, ah, I need to work for this $2,000. <laughs> you got it by grace. It was free of charge. It was given to you. The only way to, in a sense, accept it or keep it is exactly that. It's been given to you. So, but there is the other element. And the other element is faith. And that's why I had this session. I don't know what teaching it was where someone, you know, brought up the question of once saved, always saved. And I said, I will never... Um, say that blatantly because that's not what the Bible says clearly. What the Bible does say is two things. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will keep you and you can have assurance that when he returns, you will appear with him. Like the Bible teaching is assurance of salvation. That's the biblical teaching. Assurance of salvation by faith. So the way you came to Christ, Colossians 2, 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus. How? By faith. So walking in him, 
which is by faith. So stay in faith. And what is faith? Faith is simply believing that Jesus did what he did. So if you are worried about losing your salvation, it's not so much of a worry than you should be worried about, do I, do I believe Jesus? And if you do, that's your security. It's faith in his name that saves, all right? Um, so that's something I wanted to bring up. A lot of people don't understand the gospel. They are living their lives in perpetual fear, not understanding that Jesus has paid the fine. God has done all that is required that the law requires. The punishment was borne by him. There's no more punishment to bet out. He, he carried all of it. So if anyone is to go to hell right now, it's not because of individual sins that they are going to hell. It is the fact that they've not accepted the payment for those sins. I can go on and on and on, man, but I hope that's clear. If you have any questions, feel free to share, all right? But that's so important. That's the, that was Evangelion. It is written was just like another, that's the third teaching we did. It is written. We talked about how the word of God should be valued over other things. You know, God, the concept of sola scriptura. Christians, we get our doctrine and our understanding of God from the scriptures. I talked about Luke 24, right? If you remember this, in Luke 24, Jesus joins these two people on their way to Emmaus, right? And he says, why are you guys sad? You know, and they're crying. They're like, we thought Jesus was the one that would save us. But now look, look, he's gone. We can't find him. You know, they said he resurrected, but we don't even know where he is. And then Jesus scolds them. He says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter into his glory. He's like, you guys should know the law and the prophets all spoke about this. And then Luke 24, 27 says, then beginning, is it 24, 27 or 24, 47? Yeah, Luke 24, 27. Let me put it up. So after he told them, didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? He said, then beginning with Moses. Who can tell me what Moses is? We're already running out of time, but I need you guys to be smart. When he says, beginning with Moses, what's that? The first five books. Beautiful, the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Tanakh. Beautiful. And then what is the prophets? Everything else, basically, the Pentateuch. Yes. CRK. Some of you that did CRK, remember Pentateuch. Pentateuch. I had one CRK teacher that was very passionate. So I can't forget it. All right. So the law and the prophets. Jesus takes them into the scriptures. He could have just said, you guys are stupid. Bow, bow. Look at me, I'm the one. See my nails, which he did with his own disciples. Come for yourself, if I say he got CR, he got A in CRK exam. Neko is a scam, by the way. Neko is a scam. I got, I'm not boasting, it's long ago, nobody cares. But my wife was Stella. Like I had eight A's and one B. But my Neko was B, C, all the, all the letters I've never seen before. It was terrible. So I just knew Neko was, was trash. Anyway, that's that's in the past now. We look forward, we move forward. Nobody cares about WAEC results these days. I mean, some of you that were struggling for WAEC, remember, you were like, study, you're like, ah, ah I must pass. Now, WAEC has passed now. You have bigger things to worry about. That year, they were shouting, you know, your jump score, jump score. Now all of you have 
enter school. Some of you are already MBBs, MBBA. What, what is the what? <laughs> forgotten the the code now? But yeah, doctors, people are blown. But now nobody is caring about those things. That's life. MBBS, thank you. All right, that's that's uh, that that sounds like NBC. As well. Okay. But yeah, the point I was making here is Moses and the prophets. Jesus had to use the scriptures. If Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, vindicated by the Spirit, seen of angels, God manifest in the flesh, still had to use the written word to prove that he was who he said he was, then how much more you? And so that's the whole idea of it is written. All right, the teaching about it is, it is written. Uh, evidence of truth comes from scripture. Don't let anyone bobo you. Don't let anyone bamboozle you. Stay in the scriptures. It is written. It's God's word. God honors his word above his name. That was what we discussed here. And I hope like you guys learned a whole lot from hermeneutics. We talked about hindrances to Bible interpretation. Who remembers that? The cultural context, you know, you know, women covering their hair. You have to understand what was happening in First Corinthians at that time, um, in the Corinthian church and in their culture at the time. You know, why was Paul so vehement in First Corinthians 7 about not getting married? Some people just say, oh, Paul said don't get married because he doesn't want you to get married. No, there was a current crisis. And he said, it will make sense if you get married during the current crisis, there's huge persecution in the church. You get married and two months later you die. Who will take care of your, your wife and your kids? I mean, you don't have kids in two months, but <laughs> you get the gist. That's the whole idea. You have to read the context to understand the message. A lot of churches today have taken things out of context and it's, it's blown into proportions. Um, so you want to be careful about that. Um, we talked about language barriers. The Bible was written originally in Greek and in Hebrew and in some parts in Aramaic. So you have a, this is random, but I would love if we could do a historical context of the sexual practices in Corinth back then. You are going to do it on your own, sir. God bless you. We're not going to do research on sexual practices yet. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but yeah, joking is serious. I'm serious about not joking. Um, we have just a few more minutes. Let me round this up real quick. The marathon. This teaching was, <laughs> I said before I read, I knew it was a fair. Yeah. All right. So the marathon um, basically talks about the journey of God. I wish I had more time on this, but go and listen to it. There was a part one and there was a part two. You know, the journey from the law to us from the Jews to the Gentiles. The beautiful story talks about how God grafted in the Gentiles. So if you are here and you are saved and you don't have Israeli blood, you should be thanking God. You should be lying down on the floor. By the way, Daniel, can you help put the podcast link to all these teaching on the group chat if you can? We have a, we have a blessed creator here. Daniel has been helping us upload our teaching. So if you want to go back and listen to any of these things, get the scriptures, meditate on them, you will have access to it as well. Um, long term, we're going to be planning something where we can have 
little bites, like different points that have been made, and we just share it on the group chat. But that'll be next year. Um, and I hope you guys will be able to join us for that. But yeah, the journey from the Jews to the Gentiles, how the Gentiles were grafted in, were never really ultimately part of the salvation plan in quotes. I'll explain, I, I explained it, go and watch it already. But yeah, there was part one and part two. And I called it the marathon because God had a plan and it took a long time to fulfill that plan. All right, that's the link on the chat. All right, there we go. And then I'll put it also in Mixer because I know people are in Mixer All right. So, so, but still the doctrine of salvation. This was where we talked about, um, we didn't go into details about Calvinism and some of other positions that, you know, very interesting positions about salvation. Um, but we definitely just checked what salvation really is. What does it take to be saved? How can, can, you, can you lose your salvation? Um, what is expected of you once you are saved? We discussed all of that in part one and part two. So go check that. That was Sozo. All right. Beautiful teaching. And we talked about understanding the law. Oh, my God. This teaching was so deep. I did a lot of research um, on part one and part two on, on this topic. So please go listen to it. It has, At this point, I'm just telling you, go listen, go listen, because there's no time anymore. Um, but understanding the law, this was where I broke down the idea of the law as a word and different aspects. David would refer to the law in one context and he's referring to just the law, right? The law of Moses. Sometimes he's just talking about the whole counsel of God. So you have to also rightly divide. But then the main point I made here was that the law was very, very, very created for the purpose of salvation. Like God was hiding so many clues in their practices, the Passover, the feasts. Oh my God. Like you could see so many things about God's plan to save in the law. So don't, don't rush through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, those books that you are scared of. You, you need to read them, read them in the light of Christ. The veil has been removed so you can see clearly. All right. Um, the law was actually good and not evil. Exactly. Romans 7, 12, Paul said, therefore the law is good and holy and something. It's good. But when the law, the good law mixes with a sinful man, Catastrophic results. <laughs> All right. Then seven, guys, I'm rounding up, but I hope this is a good review. We're going to do the same next week for Apologetic Sunday, Sunday, Charisma Sunday, and Vulnerability Sunday. And that'll, that'll be the end of um, Bible Marathon Sunday meetings for the year. All right. So we're not meeting in December on Sundays like this, except we just feel like we missed each other and you guys want to hang out, but there's no teaching, nothing. We just come and just and have fun. Um, but our Bible reading will still keep going on. That's not going to stop. All right. We talked about seven things I wish Christians knew about the Bible. It was a book review. It was beautiful. A lot of people learned a lot from it. I'm not going to go into that. Go listen to it as well. And then we talked about, is that what it means? We looked at some texts that we have been grossly misinterpreted, you know, like, um, Isaiah 10, 26, you know, the, the yoke shall be lifted up because of the anointing. And we just realized that the yoke is actually a burden um, tool, based on burden tool that on the, on the, around the neck of an animal. And how the word is not anointing, it's actually fat. Um, 
And then so many other verses that are just taken out of context because they don't follow the rules of Bible interpretation. Um, so that will bless you as well. I have a YouTube channel that has been very dormant for a while, but I have a lot of videos on this, how to rightly interpret the scriptures. Um, I don't know if I can, I'll get it and share it with you guys, but a lot of videos I did back in school then just to explain how to rightly divide how to read a text and I think it will help you a whole lot. Um, right, sorry, this is not what I was supposed to show next. But yeah, that is it um, for Hermeneutic Sundays. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. This was awesome. Um, so the book of Acts, we're reading chapter five and chapter six. So make sure you do that. All right. Chapter five and chapter six. Um, next week is going to be apologetics recap, like I mentioned. So don't miss it for anything. Um, we're going to look into, and I feel like now that I know how this works, the pacing that we follow today, I have to be more deliberate with the pacing so that we can cover a lot more and, and really have time to have, you know, like questions and answers. Please, if you have questions, any question about defending the faith, come prepared with them for next week Sunday, all right? That would be so awesome so we can discuss it together. Um, that is it. That is it from me. I hope you guys had a good time with the review. Um, I think it's good to always have a review. It brings back to memories things that we have studied, especially for those who were not even able to be here at all. You have the privilege of you know, going through these things. So I love you guys so much. Thanks for joining. Um, let's just pray real quick and I'll let you guys go. Uh, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for Bible Marathon. Thank you for the journey so far. We love you and we appreciate you. And we ask, Lord, that we will do what we learn. We'll be doers of the word, not hearers only. We will be passionate followers of Christ Jesus above all else. Everything else comes second to you. We really desire that. Let that be our testimony that Jesus is first. Not our work, not our relationships. Jesus is first. Jesus is first. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this recording. We hope this session was a blessing to you as it was for us. If you'd like to be an active part of Bible Marathon, Maybe join in live on our Sunday sessions, be part of the WhatsApp group, or would just like to know more about the Bible Marathon Project. Visit our website, bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. That's bit.ly slash bmglive4 for more details. We pray you stay blessed, experiencing progress and joy in your faith.